0: Hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop. How about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking queer money on the road this summer and fall. Visit queermoneypodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood.
1: Imagine being discovered, being put into a movie, and then being labeled as the gay kid. All before you knew what the word gay even meant or knew that you yourself were gay. Well, that's the story of today's guest, Brian Faldudo, the quote, gay kid, end quote, from the movie School of Rock with Jack Black. Learning only after School of Rock was released that Brian himself was gay and not necessarily loving himself for it, Brian has had some rock bottom moments and some major highs. Brian joins us for episode 260 of the Queer Money podcast to share his journey from a dark place to the light and how he's helping other LGBTQ people make the same transition. Get ready for an exciting and fun episode. Remember, if you've got money questions or want to hang out with other queer folks looking for financial independence, join the Queer Money Facebook group.
0: There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Capital One's checking and savings accounts have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes, which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates. Join our movement to build a community of
1: happier, healthier, and wealthier gay men by getting your free copy of the five building blocks of a happy gay life at debtfreeguys.com forward slash happy. So welcome Brian Faldudo to Queer Money Podcast. We're excited to have you.
2: Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's wonderful to get started to have this exciting conversation. We have a lot that we want to cover, but we kind of want to start off with maybe uh, maybe the question that's uh, going to be everybody's mind after they hear this introduction. But how did you go from acting in movies like School of Rock with Jack Black to life coaching and your new passion project? What was that transition like?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a long, lengthy transition, um, but it... As a lot of people know, I was a child actor in School of Rock when I was younger. I think what maybe people might be familiar with, or I'm not sure, but I've, I've recently started to speak out about, you know, I went through a hard time after that film. Uh, the film came out in 2003. Um, a lot of people remember my character, especially within the queer community, as, you know, this seemingly gay character on screen. And I was. I was just a effeminate, sassy kid, right, in the movie. Um, and I think a lot of people either fell in love with that or related to it if it was something they saw on screen that looked a lot like who they were, and they hadn't seen that sort of representation before. Or if it was different for them, like it was for a lot of people, they tried to box it up. And I um, I was a recipient of that box, right? I think the film was, you know, I got cast in the film because I was like this special kid, right? And then um. I think that people wanted to put terms on it and labels on it and and describe who I was. And at the time, I didn't even know what being gay was, right? So it was a bit of a traumatic experience to experience at a young age and kind of had that on my shoulders. And so I I ran from this idea of being gay for a really long time. I didn't actually come out until my senior year, even though everyone knew me as the gay kid from School of Rock. <laughs> so it was like this complicated journey of sort of basically running from myself because what was supposed to be a special experience when I was younger ended up being an, an experience that kind of became drenched in shame because I didn't want to just be known as that gay kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of overcompensating behavior where I sort of like drenched myself in ideas of success, right? Or I tried to be someone that I thought would be impressive to people. And then when I finally did come out of the closet, because I couldn't run from it anymore, I entered like more years of kind of trauma because I had never been an out and proud gay man. And I hadn't done any healing from all those years of sort of covering up who I was. And instead, I kind of ran to find myself and other people, right, those toxic relationships that we go through in our 20s. And just like, um, lots of pitfalls, honestly, and constantly searching for happiness and validation outside of myself is the way I kind of describe, uh, sum it up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, you know, my journey sounds like the way I just describe it probably sounds a little bit like I'm complaining, right? But I'm actually super grateful that I kind of had that experience because I think what it led to is me hitting rock bottom early enough and often enough that I started to ask myself questions like, what does it take to be happy? Like, is happiness even an option for me? Because for a long time, I didn't think that it was. And then, if I were to become happy, how does how do i <laughs> how do I go about being happy? No one had ever talk to me about that. It had always been about blending in or surviving, right? It had always been about other people, not about me and my journey. And so the work for me became this like massive healing journey where I was reparenting myself and sort of doing all of this inner work to be happy with who I was and accept myself. And and then once I accept myself, who am I outside of the gay kid from school of rock, right? So there's just been like a lot of work and all that inner work I've become really fascinated with and into and I decided to become a life coach so I can help other people do that work with themselves that healing work essentially because especially within the queer community I think that healing work is necessary and I think a lot of people when they come out of the closet like I did think that you can sort of like flip a switch on all those years of of you know the damage done but uh, I think sometimes we're skipping a step where where we need to kind of look at ourselves and spend time with ourselves and and do that work, you know? That was a long answer, but I told you it was a long story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was
1: very, a very compelling answer too. And I think there's, you know, other than being a, a movie star, I think so many LGBTQ people, especially gay men can relate to your story. Cause I think we've all sort of had similar similar paths. And I think, I, I love the, the, how you phrased it. You said you felt drenched in shame about your queerness. Do you mind, can you, What what did that look like exactly?
2: Basically, I got cast because I was this eccentric kid, right? And then as soon as the movie came out, you know, it was 2003, there was not much LGBTQ representation besides myself and like Ellen and Will and Grace. You know, there wasn't wasn't much for me to turn to. And so I just felt like this hugely othered thing. Little did I know that, So many other queer boys my age were like looking at the screen and seeing themselves in me. Right. And if I had known that at the time, I think that would have been really empowering. But I didn't find that out until I came out about my story, you know, only like a few years ago when I started my coaching business. So it's like I didn't even know the impact of the role. All I know is that it was a bad thing that I was not supposed to be. The gay kid. And I had to be anything other than that, essentially. I had to either be like a terrific actor or I had to find other ways to be loved without owning my sexuality. And the way I look at it now is I'm not healed. You know, I don't think anyone is walking around on this planet healed. The way I look at it is that there are people who are healing and there are people who are either afraid or avoiding that work. And so my job as someone who is as I see it, as someone who has become sort of massively invested in the healing journey, is to those people who are afraid to step into that space, um, especially within the queer community, my job is to make it more accessible to them and kind of just bring that healing conversation about in a way that feels fine and a little more carefree because it is scary work, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to sort of look at yourself in that context we don't have to do it alone. You know, I had to, I felt like I had to do a lot of it on my own. And I think one of my passions is making people feel like that's not necessary, you know, because I think the reason the work gets avoided is because it can be really hard to stare at yourself in the, in the mirror like that, you know? Absolutely. You know, I, am glad that you use the word "othered" because
0: I think for a lot of gay men, especially for those that do not have a supportive family, a supportive friend and structure around them, we oftentimes... Don't see ourselves as a part of any particular group because, like you said, everyone is trying to put you in a box or to put a frame around you that says, oh, he is or she is or they are in this particular place, right? And we don't know that place because we may not be familiar with it. We don't have the people around us that are saying, this is a great place to be and it is okay 100% to be here. And so we oftentimes feel like there is this incredible pressure. It's interesting, gay men, especially I think are are becoming much more visible in society today, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, okay, well, things must be easy for you because you're a gay man." but oftentimes we forget that the childhood that we have, and if we haven't healed, that childhood kind of just keeps keeps dragging along with us, right. Mm-hmm we end up still feeling very much othered by even sometimes people within our own community, we feel othered. And I'm glad you brought that up, because I think that that is an important connection to make to what we're going to talk about today.
2: Yeah, I think that people even feel othered by themselves and their own narratives in their mind, you know, once it's like a self fulfilling prophecy after a while, you know, you start to, once you view yourself in a certain way, it's really hard to, to change the story you're telling yourself, you know?
1: Absolutely. So I don't want to fill in the pieces. I can kind of understand where this might be going, but how did you gravitate towards mindfulness and specifically healing conversations as part of your process to help kind of coach yourself out of this?
2: Yeah. Well, I think that mindfulness kind of, you know, it is sort of the answer. And as far as my, my journey has gone, I think that for so long, I was just identifying with every thought or emotion that went through me, right? And I think that mindfulness is cool because the way I describe it is you can, it's the process of holding something in your hand and looking at it rather than being the thing that you're holding, right? And I think human condition is just constant waves of happiness, sadness, suffering, desire, all these things, right? But we The very fact that we're able to be aware of the fact that we're suffering means that we are not the suffering. We are the person that is aware of the suffering. And so I think that we can create that separate loving awareness of all these things that are moving through us. We get to be more selective about what we listen to and how we show up. And then contentment becomes optional. You know, you can choose to be present and happy Without disregarding anything, any of your internal experience, it's about, it's about understanding what's there and choosing to go forward anyway, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, um, it's not easy work, um, which is why no. I was like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not. And, you know, that's why I say I really try and avoid the word healed because I'm still very much a person who's, who has stuff coming up for them every day and the, those waves that I talked about, right? But I'm. I'm so passionate about stepping outside of that and building an awareness around it that I was like, I feel as though I'm someone who can communicate with people in a way about this, that maybe they'd want to step outside of it all too. Because I think one of the things that really bugged me is when I started to ask myself these questions and I was in rock bottom in my mid-20s, I was like, I noticed that a lot of these questions weren't being asked by gay men in the community of themselves until they were like, at least in their mid thirties, maybe late thirties, forties, fifties, there were not many peers my age walking around having like conversations about their inner child or healing, you know, mm-hmm. we're just going to the bars. We're swiping on the apps and we're making transactional experiences with one another. And we're, we're avoiding the conversation that's been wanting to be had for so many years, you know? My goal is to create spaces where that conversation can feel easier so that we can all approach it together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, We're so
0: aligned. Uh, So two things. First of all, when you talked about the experience of being the individual as the observer, I couldn't help but think of Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul. He talks about a lot of that. And and this is uh, something that John and I have read and are learning much more about of, of how we are the observer of what's going on. And sometimes I feel like what you just said about queer men, especially gay men in this whole transactional experience that we are creating for ourselves, we forget or don't know that we can separate the experience from ourselves and stand back and look at it and make a judgment for ourselves as to whether or not this is something I want to continue we don't feel like there's any escape from it because we're so attached to the experience or the event or the the lifestyle that we cannot separate ourselves and i'm curious you know you did say you don't see young queer men having these kinds of conversations what do you think is the reason for that why do you see that as john and i ourselves have talked about this on the podcast. We've talked about this in our writing on our website. Uh, The fact that it, it doesn't seem like very many gay men are having this kind of aspirational or improve themselves conversation. We oftentimes refer to what many of us focus on as the three P's penis politics and pop culture. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, everyone here is listening has all already heard our perspective. Why do you think
2: that this is happening? Yeah, it's difficult for me to talk about anyone else's experience. So I'll just I'll just talk about mine. I think that I spent so long being unhappy with who I was, right? There's this idea that there's something wrong with me. And then you come out and you don't want there to be anything wrong with you anymore. Right. So you want to you want to embrace the word pride. It's the word. <laughs> it's, it's what we call our events. They're pride events. And it's really difficult to be proud and also hurting at the same time. It's really difficult to be messy. Healing is really ambiguous, not linear. It can look like a total... I mean, you know, I'm getting emotional talking about healing because it really is like a... It's a roller coaster. You can wake up one day and... And sit with emotions that you don't want to sit with, you know, and it's complicated. And i it's, it's not it's not the rainbow glittery floats that <laughs> that we want it to be, you know. Yeah. And I do think there's a shift happening. I do think that this conversation, especially because I think what, what's happening a little bit is we're being even challenged by the generation that's below mine, which is. This generation that's questioning constructs from the get go, you know, and how authentically can I show up? I feel like is the question they're asking. There's no more facades that they're trying to hide behind, you know. I feel like that's challenging for for those of us who might have like switched out a facade for one that would switch out one mask for another mask. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I guess I guess that's my answer. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, That's great. I wonder. You know, there's something I've uh, since I've read the Untethered Soul now twice um when i started a couple of years ago there's one challenge i have with it i i understand the concept that i am not my thoughts i'm the observer of my thoughts but when i really try to grasp that i can only grasp it for like a short period of time because it's so confusing the two so, so seem to 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 be so meshed together it's almost hard to to separate that do you have any exercises or practices to help get more aligned with understanding that or being able to experience that a little bit more wholly
2: the mind will always think so it is it is a tricky concept you know it's the human condition to think so yeah it becomes really difficult to just step into that ever-present awareness right and I don't I think the the tricky part is that no one's really there there's a there's a couple spiritual gurus who who say they're there right but who knows really right If you want to be in that space more often, there are things you can do. There's meditation. There's simply just writing down your thoughts and looking at them and realizing that they can exist outside of yourself. There's, um, you know, anything from a long walk, honestly, like you go on like a two, three hour walk. By the end of those three hours, you're going to be in a completely different place from where you started, which just goes to show that the thoughts are not you. The thoughts are just things running through you. And yeah, I mean, there's, and that's kind of what I do with my clients. I try and figure out what's going to work for them to make this whole process more selective, because it really does vary on the person, you know, meditation doesn't work for everybody, or they don't feel they don't gravitate towards it. And I think what's important to remember that it's is that it's all okay. The messaging we got when we were younger is that there's something wrong with us the goal here is to accept ourselves and figure out what works for ourselves and bring all that to the table. Not, you know, I'm not good at meditation, quote unquote, so there's something wrong with me, right? That can bring you further off the path of healing. So Mm -hmm. it's a very touchy conversation, I feel like, because that narrative that there's something wrong with me can permeate you know, especially if that's the messaging we grew up with, it can permeate a lot of things. So it's that's why I recommend people don't do it alone. Get you know, get a coach, get a therapist, get in a group where you can have this conversation with other people and realize that, one, you're not the only one going through it. And two, there's a process likely that will alleviate some of the, the getting stuck in your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I love that because there's sometimes I can be sitting there meditating and thinking to myself, I'm not doing this right. And then I'm judging myself and not doing it right. And I'm like, this, this is the exact opposite of what this exercise yeah. is supposed to be
0: doing for me.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This podcast
0: is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere. So banking fits into your life, not the other way around. I have a question. So pride is fun and we love to do it. Going to Sunday brunch is fun. Getting a Louis Vuitton bag is fun. Going on vacation with our friends is fun. All of these things that we are known for as quote unquote gay men, they're all fun, right? Mm -hmm. Why can't I just fill my life full of that and that be what my life is about? Yeah, I think you can. I think what you're kind of getting at is that there's maybe some sort of need underneath that many of us aren't necessarily addressing.
2: Yeah. The question I want to ask that person is when has validation outside of yourself ever been enough for you? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And there's, cause then it just becomes more and more and more, right? There's, there's always it's just this one more thing. Right. And I tend to come across as the party pooper sometimes because I'm like, let's, let's have the healing conversation, you know? Let's not go to Fire Island this weekend. Let's have the healing conversation. That's not what I'm saying. We can all We can all also go to Fire Island, you know? Right. I think one of the things I'm really proud of is sort of integrating the way I want to show up as a mindful person into social settings with other gay men where maybe that's not the conversation being happened, but I can still sort of stand my ground in, like, You know, the way we talk to ourselves, you know, I'll hear someone, a recent example. I was hanging out with two friends and the one was like, Oh, I'm not drinking tonight. And then because we don't like this idea of being alone, right? The one friend was like, Or like, if someone else is not drinking, maybe there's something wrong with me for how much I'm drinking. So the one friend was like, You're not drinking, blah, 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 blah. And then I just felt really confident being like, Hey, he's made a choice to not drink tonight. So let's just like let him do his thing and we can do our things and everyone can like stay in their own lane and we can have a great time, you know? And so, You know, I think there's a way to sort of like be that person in these environments without sort of like saying I can't ever go go to the party. You know, (laughs) you can still it's all about intention, really, you know right and i think that that's the that's the important point here is
0: that it is 100% okay to have all of the fun and do all of the things as long as like you said that's not what we're using as a way to validate ourselves or to feel like our our lives are worth something right if we yeah. we have to involve these spiritual elements these other elements in our life because at the end of the day, I think we all want to look back on our lives and think that, that it was much more than just the Louis Vuitton bag, the brunch with friends, that there's, there's something more and that has to come from a spiritual place
2: inside. Right. Yeah. And a lot of these things are also just a form of escaping ourselves, right? Because the great fear is that we're unlovable and that we will sit at home alone at night and have to face the fact that we're unlovable
1: in the work that you're doing with your clients what are the challenges that you see lgbtq folks face with letting go and that past trauma and trying to like as you have said embrace this radical self-acceptance and self-compassion do you see a, th- a common theme among your clients with the challenges of that
2: uh yeah i think i think the theme is that like acceptance acceptance is the work right even accepting i think going back to your example of sitting with the meditation right um even accepting that voice that says I'm doing meditation wrong, you know, even having compassion for that voice because that voice runs through all of us as well. You know, that's a human voice. That's a part of you, whether it's your critic, you know, i like to think sometimes in our brains, we have a shitty committee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, whether it's the critic or it's the the pusher or the pleaser or the, whoever it is, these are all voices that we all have. It's just a matter of, inviting them to tea essentially sitting them down at the table like you would an enemy um that you you know that you want to make a friendship with you know like someone you want to heal with the only way to heal with someone is to have that difficult conversation with them that you've been avoiding right so it's inviting them to sit down I kind of like to use the comparison of a dog which I'm chuckling because I feel like we we were talking about dogs right before we hopped on (laughs) but um The comparison of a dog. If a dog is barking and wants your attention, telling it to stop is likely not going to get the dog to stop. You have to probably give it a moment of attention and pet it and show that it's loved or safe or cared for or maybe give it a treat. Give the dog what it needs, right? So that the dog can go on with its moments and then you can return to your moments. I feel like. If you're just going to yell at the dog, the dog's going to continue barking. And I think that's what we try to do sometimes with these things inside of us. We just try and push them down further, and they get angry, and they want to be heard.
1: Mm-hmm. But the challenges, I think, are so hard because, I mean, yes, we have this shitty committee in, in our head, but then everything we see outside of ourselves, all of the media, entertainment, the A-listers, they all have like everything that we feel like we need to have if we're going to be validated, right? They've got the washboard abs, the beautiful faces and skin, the, 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 the designer clothing. They're on the cover of, of, of all the hip magazines. And so the, there's not only this, this shitty committee inside our head, it's almost like everything outside of us is telling us that unless we fit into this narrow box, uh, not only are we not a good enough person, but we're not a good enough gay.
2: Yeah, Uh, And that's such a real thing. Something I'm currently, honestly, in in the thick of in a lot of my healing work, you know, if I'm not this person who's doing a thousand things all the time and getting everything done, then who am I, right? If I'm not the gay kid from School of Rock, who am I, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm not, if I'm not, you know, (laughs) one of my 2021 goals was to try and like get on TikTok, right? Because, you know, I have an audience that's young and I'm trying to bring the queer mindfulness conversation to them, right? And I thought that was a good place that I could do that but nothing about who i am breathes like tiktok life you know like it's not it's not something i want to do right so how much of that was trying to keep up with something that i don't necessarily want to keep up with you know so it's like it's it, yeah it's a very it, it's it's tough work for those maybe struggling with that aspect of the conversation a book that's really helped me is called burnout by emily nagoski i'm reading it off my bookshelf um, <laughs> And Amelia Nagoski, they just talk a lot about the cultural messaging that sort of keeps us trapped in, in those things. I will say
0: I, I 100% understand this but it's still hard sometimes. I mean, you know, I am, here I am, I'm tell all of you my age, I'm 50 years old, right? And I've known that I was a a queer kid since I was probably four or five years old. I knew that I was gay, although I didn't, like you said, I I had no definition, right? For Mm -hmm. the feelings that I was having until, I think probably until... Somebody called me gay when I was a kid in school and I had been hearing how gay is bad from my parents at home with the bible and bible thumping right so all of a sudden there was this this oh loathing why do they think I'm gay? And that you, I have just carried that with me throughout my life. And what's interesting is you talked about this whole idea of us p- keep pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down. Eventually, it's like that balloon in your hand, right? You push in and it pops out between your fingers in another spot, right? And I think that <laughs> yeah. that's, I still feel like I struggle with that from time to time. And knowing that I, I think knowing that I struggle with it is probably one of the first steps in understanding why and how I can fix it.
2: Yeah, and also being compassionate with the fact that you're, you're like everyone, everyone is, there's no one not struggling with it. You know, I, I know that doesn't help to always hear sometimes, but there's on some level we're all, it's just, it's, it's waves. I think they're just waves of things running through us. And I think that's why they call it a mindfulness practice, because I, I, over time it just becomes a little bit more observational of the waves rather than feeling like the current is sweeping you away. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's tough work. I try and do this. I try and walk this thin line of where I warn people. You know, it's it's not easy. It's not a walk in the park. You know, I do think it's better than all the denial because the denial kind of hits you out of left field very often, and often really brutally. And those are like really. You know, I've I've been in that space and I spent a lot of tear soaked nights, you know, and I still have tear soaked moments, but that they're moments now, you know, and they there's something I can pass through. That's really cool to be able to say. Because again, I mean, I didn't think that was ever an option for me. It was always like, How do I be happy without being myself? <laughs> uh, that that was like the question, right? What have you done to be
1: able to sort of turn that from getting stuck in that in that narrative to being able to say I'm just going to pass through it and not get hung up on it? Beyond just acknowledging that moment, how do you how do you move beyond it then?
2: I think see and I've struggled with this because I have a very type A productivity mindset and I'm like, okay, so what's next? I know that there's this emotion going through me. What's next? What do I where do I go from here? What's the plan? How do, I, how do I not let this happen again? The answer is the awareness. That thing that's running through you, saying hello to it, saying, hi, you are welcome here. Do I accept myself in this moment just as I am, including any sort of emotional or internal bodily sensation you're having? The more often we can do that, the less intrusive that sensation becomes.
0: Well, I think it's very interesting the way you're describing this because it kind of makes me... I think all of us want that happiness, right? We want to feel happy and we know that it's a possibility, it is an option. And sometimes we either struggle or don't think it's an option for us, kind of similar to what you brought out at the beginning. Sometimes we think we're unlovable, sometimes we think we're not good enough, whatever. But it's kind of like the person who's in the car and you're driving down the street and you're not you're passing by trees and people and cars and your vision your peripheral vision is picking up all of that but you're not focused on every single one of those cuz imagine how slow you would have to go drive if you needed to capture every single one of those but i think when we see these feelings or these thoughts pop up into our head, we spend a lot of time dwelling on them, right? We slow our car way down and we say, oh, they will never like me because I don't look like this or I don't have that or I'm this age or whatever. And we slow ourselves down so much that we can't see the fact that oh, my God, I have a pretty fucking amazing life. But instead, Mm. we're focused on the little things that keep on popping up.
2: Yeah, the ego is very tricky. That same ego, which sometimes I I call the protector-controller in our mind on the committee, um, (laughs) is... It's very tricky and it's spent so long protecting us and doing such an excellent job at it. So when it senses danger, it wants to do that work. It wants to, it wants to slow down the car, maybe even pull over, do some, do some mechanical <laughs> fixing so that we can be, you know, change the tire so that we can be perfect again, you know, so that we can be happy again. What if the car is perfect just as it is, you know? Um right. And everyone else is just paying attention to their own cars and everyone's just like driving along, you know, like, but that I do believe that is, that is the work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that I is- think
1: as you're talking, I, I, I'm reminded of Disney's Inside Out movie. Yeah. You know, cause That's- she had all these different emotions inside her head. And I think. To me, what's worked for me, uh, we, we do meditate every day and I, I have my, uh, I have my good days with that and bad days with that, if I'm going to judge them like that. But when I'm stuck in that narrative, for me, what's most worked is to Journal about it. Be crystal clear on what it is that that's I'm struggling with, and then let's write about it without editing myself. Uh, just writing freehand until I can't write anymore, and kind of really work out my ideas and thoughts and figure out okay, what is the? Because usually the problem isn't the problem. Usually it's everything that, that you associate with the problem. So and we never give ourselves enough time to be able to peel back the onion because all of a sudden we're you know as soon as we have these emotions, then we're judging ourselves for having these emotions, right? And so right. we're not even addressing the issue to begin with, um, and. To me it's 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 journaling and sometimes it takes up pages and pages i have a lot to say as david is we aware of <laughs> um but yeah it's, it's kind of putting it down on paper like that and, and being intentional about what i'm going to actually think or, or, or write about to me has has helped a lot
2: yeah absolutely and being open to what might come up that you're not even aware of too right that's a that's a thing for me for me a big thing is just there's fears in every corner of everything I want to do. Right. So it's how do I honor those fears and, um, either proceed anyway or realize maybe that the fear is unhealthily motivating me. You know, there's like a, When we stop and listen to these things, the path forward becomes a little bit more clear. And usually the path forward is a lot smaller than we think it is. The path forward is not like this mountain that we, it's not like we're packing this bag of mindfulness and then going to hike a mountain. The path forward is usually just like whatever is immediately next, the next moment, Mm -hmm. which can be a little empowering, you know, because I feel like when you view this journey as a whole, it can be really frightening. So the smaller steps you can take, the better.
0: Absolutely. Is that maybe the place you would suggest for those of us who are listening, we are at, at maybe a point in our life where we don't feel that level of happiness or the contentment or satisfaction with our lives that we really want? Is that kind of the place where you would suggest we start? Is, is, do we just take those little
2: tiny steps and start to reflect? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the first questions I would have for that person is, are they having the conversations that, you know, we've talked about here, those healing conversations, or are they doing the thing where they're avoiding themselves, which is also okay. You know, we've all been there and there's a beautiful reason why you're doing that, why your brain is functioning in that way to keep you safe. But what would happen if you sat down with someone and were to were to talk about what's going on inside your heads and your hearts, you know? And if you don't have someone in your life in like an immediate capacity that you can do that with, that's what coaches are for and therapists are for. Or I know a lot of everyone can afford those options. That's why I'm trying to make the conversation more accessible. I have a podcast. I do a lot of group programming that is super affordable and or free often where you can just join other like minded men. And, you know, I think once you realize that you're not the only one that's having these things, that's that's a cool moment, because then journeying through it all feels more possible. Yeah, everything we've listed could be used as a step. Writing these things down, when that voice comes up, I think it could be monumental for someone if for the first time in their life, when that voice comes up, that's judging themselves rather than judging that voice. What if you say hello to it, and you are welcome here? I really would not underestimate the power of just that one, that one moment with yourself, you know? Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a huge step.
1: Um, and so you, you kind of touched on it. Where all can our listeners connect with you, including on your podcast?
2: Yeah, so I have a podcast called The Gay Life Coach Podcast, (laughs) Um, and I'm also on Instagram as The Gay Life Coach. We haven't talked at all, but the other thing that I do, not so much in the acting world anymore, but I'm a songwriter. If anyone ever wants to check out my music, I'm also on Instagram as Brian Faldudo, and you can find me on Spotify and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, as far as the coaching conversation we've had, the best place to connect with me is on Instagram, The Gay Life Coach or the Gay Life Coach podcast. I also have a Facebook group called the Gay Men's Mindfulness Collective. And that's where I announce all the programming I mentioned. There's a bunch of resources in there as far as like podcasts or tips or videos you can watch to kind of just get more insight on all this stuff. And there's a bunch of mindful men in that community um, that you can converse with. And I know that they'd all be really open to maybe being the first person you have that conversation with. And yeah, that's just, that's kind of my passion. My goal is to just make it all feel a little less like a mountain and a little bit more like we're all just walking along together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Well, I love your mission. I think what you're doing is great work. And I think it's, 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 super necessary, um, especially for the LGBTQ community. Um, I don't think we've been having this conversation for very long. And it's it's exciting to see that there are more and more folks trying to lead the conversation because uh, we got to do the work if we're going to be able to continue to evolve and continue to push for the progress um, that we so desperately still need. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for the Queer Money Podcast. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your time. And I think one of you said you're 50. That's crazy. And we'll talk after about beauty tips. Thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. We
1: love it. Uh, And then to you, our listeners, please stay tuned. Uh, We will cover the Queer Money Takeaway in a couple short moments. Thank you.
0: How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all? For Pride in June? Or 365 days a year? Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to DebtFreeGuys.com forward slash cafe for more info.
1: Queer Money is being brought to you in part by the five building blocks of a happy gay life. Join the growing community of happy, healthy, and wealthy gay men who love their lives inside and out. Get your free copy of the five building blocks of a happy gay life at DebtFreeGuys.com forward slash happy. Wow, Brian, thank you so much for not only being so vulnerable, but for using your story to help other LGBTQ people through their own journey to loving themselves and living their best lives free of internal and external judgment and all of the bullshit that comes with that. To you, our listeners, here's your Queer Money takeaway from this episode. The next time you feel a negative emotion about yourself, feel judgment toward another, or simply feel down, we encourage you to take a moment and acknowledge it. And as Brian said, say hello to it and see how that feels. If you'd like, we'd love for you to share your experience in the Queer Money Facebook group. This is a conversation that more of us need to start having. Then join us next week when we share tips on how to train your brain to become a wealth builder. Have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the Road.